Some rounds, birdies can be hard to come by. Fortunately for us all, some don't require that solid iron game to be found. Welcome to Bird Watchers, an expression of our eternal devotion to all things bird. Trade the rangefinder for a pair of binocs and keep an eye out for this week's featured bird. I'm not creepy enough. Honestly, it was pretty good. Really? Like, I think it's pretty close to to what the, what, what do we call it? The, the whaling the call? The whaling call is what it said on uh, YouTube. So Of this week's Bird of the Week. Yeah, pretty good, Joey. I think that maybe some of our homies up in the northern part will be able to pick that out, northern part of the country, and in our if, Canadian homies. If they hadn't read the title yet. If you haven't read the title the loon. Don't read it yet. Don't uh, give it away. Well, I just gave it away. Joey just gave it away. All right. <laughs> we have the loon this week. Shout out to the homie Jason Neff of Michigan, where I'm sure you'll find a lot more loons than you will in North Carolina. For the uh, recommendation for Bird of the Week, Jason, this one's for you. Thank you, sir. Thank yeah, you. that call was for you, dude. <laughs> Do let Joey know how he did. Uh, you've heard these things more often than we have. Uh, so I would, I would love to know if uh, you would have confused Joey there. Yeah, that's the thing. I don't know if I've heard one. I may have. My family's in the Midwest, so I may have when I was little. Yeah, if you go to the coast, you're likely you to find them. Too. Before we get into the common loon, though, Joey, you know, let's let's hear about it, man. Have you played any golf? Birdies. I did play a little bit this weekend. and Where'd you venture to? Uh, I was at Lonnie Pool, so stuck around. and um, uh, You got out there before the airification. Mm-hmm. Greens yeah. are struggling a little bit, aren't they? Hey, man, bent grass just and heat, the especially North Carolina humid heat, don't uh, don't mix too well. So it uh, you know it wasn't bad. I was out there for a good time. I'm not one to need pristine playing conditions. I suck either way. So <laughs> yeah, it was a good time. Had a couple birdies. No, all in all, it was a good time. Didn't see any like birds that stuck out to me. I did see a squirrel today carrying a tennis ball, which was pretty cool. Just another Thursday. Another Thursday at the work. office. Yeah, don't our... bother him. Don't question him. Just let him yeah. go about his business. Yeah, this is our first episode in the new office, so we moved locations. Yeah, shout out to the new loft. Uh, we've got a little bit roomier settings for today's podcast. Uh, we've recorded from the old loft. We've recorded from my home, which I will soon be moving out of. So I think we've probably recorded the last from La Casa Rosa, so RIP. Uh, we won't get to do as much bird watching while talking about bird watching in the future but you know i think our surroundings here are pretty good it's a it's a homey spot definitely coming together inside yeah i'm loving the new digs man yeah i'm loving this space what about you have you played any golf lately uh sure you have yeah you know me i've um i've been playing i played a couple of rounds at lonnie uh more birdies than normal it seems like maybe because those greens are so soft right now and so receptive that that suits me a little better um, I made a trip back down to Clinton this week with a good buddy, Stephen Brown. Uh, we did a practice round for the North Carolina Mid-Amateur qualifying. We will be hosting the North Carolina Mid-Am at Lonnie Pool this year, and the first qualifier is at my home course in Clinton. So uh, although I won't be caddying, uh, I took Stephen down to see the course. We played 18, then we hopped in with our the big group, as we call it, the gambling group of uh, members at Coherry. Played well enough to lose $6, so... Uh, good day i did make three birds what 79 
Kerry is always great to see. I did see um, the Cooper's Hawks were out on the backside, so they were out hopping around. You actually sent us a video of a hawk that you saw right on the end of your driveway. It's like I've been. A, it's like that all the birds in Raleigh have have found out about the podcast, and now they all want to get featured. Uh, I shared I shared a video with with the crew here at Lion Loft. I came across a pretty rare sighting. Um, that there was a, a red tail hawk, which that in and of itself isn't rare, but I was about five feet away from him, which is pretty cool. And he was on the ground um, right beside the pond in my backyard, and he underneath him was a dead squirrel. Uh, so he was sitting on a fresh kill. As I was pulling down the gravel driveway across the dam to the pond, uh, I, sp- I spied him behind the tree, and so I slowed down and kind of crept up and started rolling the tape. And when he, when he didn't move, when I parked beside him, I knew, okay, he's sitting on something like for him to not be moving. And I got out and sure enough, there's a squirrel, uh, something cool about hawks like that. They won't release their catch very easily. Like it's hard to scare them off of it. I know I've, I've seen this before, uh, actually on campus here at North Carolina state university, uh, where a hawk was sitting on top of a squirrel and same kind of thing, just in the middle of the brickyard and people all around him. And he's not letting go of that squirrel. Yeah. It's just hanging out with it. What would happen if you got too close to him? Would he uh, just attack you? Or? I didn't know. So in my falconry experience, what you have to do, so you go out and you catch a squirrel, the hawk catches the squirrel, and you then, of course, you want to get the squirrel away from him because you don't let him eat it all at once. Birds have, without getting into falconry more this week, uh, birds have what's considered a fly weight, which is basically like the right amount of <laughs> weight. They, their weight fluctuates, and yeah. so they have to be at a certain weight for them to be motivated to go out and eat. And if they got a really full stomach, it might be days on end before they're like convinced to go out and eat again. And so if you've got a captive bird, it's it's not good to let them do that because you want to make sure they're at a good healthy weight. So that way they're more likely to want to be active because if they're really heavy and full and you try to go hunt with them, they're just not interested. They're just going to hang out in the trees and then they're not getting the right exercise and yada, yada. But at any rate, uh, what you have to do and take it out, Hulk sees the squirrel, lands on it, they most of the time they'll kill it by strangulation you know they're puncturing it with their talons too and to trick it to let go you like what alan did the guy i worked with was covered the squirrel up with leaves so the bird even though he was sitting on it and holding it he wouldn't be able to see it and then you would take a little piece of rawhide with like a squirrel tail attached to it and just like dangle it to the side just you know uh pulling it on the leaves just dragging it on the ground to the side of him and convincing that bird that the squirrel is actually that piece of rawhide. And they'll let go they'll let go of the squirrel. It might take some convincing, you know, but they'll let go of it and then jump to the rawhide. And then mm. you've got to very sneakily take that squirrel and put it in your back pocket and don't let him see it. So no, a hawk, if he, you come up on, like this hawk I came across coming up on him, I wouldn't be too worried about him coming after me because they're only, the only way they would hurt you, they would never peck you. They would only come at you with their feet. And since he's not going to let go of that squirrel, I wouldn't be too concerned about him. It'd be more just about stressing the bird out. Yeah. Don't want to do that, mm-hmm. um, especially wild birds like that. So uh, I kept, a, I got fairly close to him. I'd say like 10, 15 feet away, but I kept a decent distance and then watched him as he just ate Devoured a squirrel right squirrel. in front of me. It's probably the biggest red tail. So it had to have been a female because females are larger. And this was probably the biggest red tail I've ever seen. I mean, enormous birds. So that was... Uh, that was a cool up close and personal encounter. 
As long as he's not chowing down on my squirrel friend with the tennis ball, (laughs) it's okay. Actually, now that I think about it. Don't tell uh, me that. No. I didn't see any tennis balls laying around. All right, good. Probably wasn't the same one. Yeah. So that was a cool, that was a cool encounter. Um, Aside from that, it's been a normal, you know, I'm always looking out for birds, but I don't have anything of of really note to speak on there. Mm -hmm. So I think that's a good segue to jump into this week's featured bird. Bird of the week. This week, we're discussing the common loon. Are there different types of loon? Or is there are five there? species of loon. Okay. The common loon is the state bird of Minnesota. So shout out ah, to our Minnesota hermit yeah. hunters. Uh, North Carolina, we have the cardinal, which I don't think is quite as... Cardinals are cool. But Got loons, a cool color. Loons are, loons are interesting birds, man. So one thing about loons is they are not ducks, which is kind of the first thing to point out. Loons look a lot like ducks. They're a little bit bigger than most ducks, a little bit smaller than a goose. But they're in a family of their own. In fact, uh, I read loons are more closely related to penguins and the albatross, which also leads me to find that apparently penguins and albatross are closely related. Really? Never knew that. Didn't even know that doing my albatross research. But the loon is more closely related to an albatross or a penguin than it is a duck, which blew my mind a little bit because they look so much like ducks. There are a few differences, things, distinctive features that make them stick out from ducks. The most obvious and the most common, which is the uh, bone structure. So they're just built differently than ducks. They do have webbed feet, which is different than, say, a grebe or a heron, which are, you know, you might also think are related to ducks or waterfowl in some way. Uh, they do have webbed feet, but their feet are placed really to the to their uh, rear, how do I say that? Their feet are, are centered to the back of their body which makes them great for diving and swimming, which is why they evolved that. Uh, we'll, we'll touch on their diving. But it makes them really, really awkward on land. Like, uh, uh, please go YouTube search loons walking and then just laugh. <laughs> uh, it's hilarious. I mean, I'm sorry, loons out there. I don't mean to make fun of your walking habits, but I do. you look ridiculous. Yeah. So they, uh, they can't walk or they, they will never go to land except to nest, and usually then it's on islands. And another part of their anatomy that makes them different is the fact that they're relatively heavy set birds for the proportional to their wing size. So loons, with one exception, which I think is the red-throated loon, which is a species on the West Coast, loons cannot take off and fly from dry land. They have to have up to a quarter of a mile, depending on the wind, of runway of water in order for them to take off. And what they do basically is start flapping and start running and they run across the top of the water. A lot of, a lot of birds or waterfowl species do this, but they don't need nearly as much runway to take off from water. Loons have to be on water and they have to have up to like, you know, minimum 300 yards of space in order for them. So it's not uncommon. There are stories of loons becoming stranded where they'll land on a body of water that's too small for them to be able to take back off from. So you won't find them on small ponds. Normally they want to be on, you know, they're going to find them, one, at the coast. They're migratory birds, so they spend their summers on the breeding grounds in the far northern parts of the country. So, yeah, Minnesota, Michigan, Wisconsin. lakes up there. And then, exactly, and then up into Canada. So pretty much throughout Canada you'll find all five uh, species. They're not lifelong monogamous. They were long believed to be, but there's a lot of research that suggests they'll even switch mates within one breeding season if the clutches don't pan out. There's no fertility. Something also unique is they only lay clutches of two eggs, 
most ducks will lay a clutch of up to from five to eight eggs again they're not ducks so i don't know why i keep comparing them but it just seems so natural but they, they lay clutches of two eggs babies are mature around or can fly around 12 weeks old but they don't reach they'll often it'll it might be six years old before they reach breeding age so the adults are migratory um i'm sorry the adults spend most of their time uh once they reach that breeding age in more localized areas they'll still travel but they don't migrate as much but up till the sixth year young birds they'll spend their first year in their where they were born and then when winter comes they'll fly to the coast so loons from the eastern part of the continent uh will tend to go to the northeastern part of the united states all the way i mean as far south as florida but typically they they tend to stay north of virginia along the coastline birds in the more central part will fly flyways from the great lakes down the greater mississippi all the way to the gulf of mexico uh and then west coast loons tend to navigate towards the california oregon washington coast and that's where they'll spend their uh, the winter months in the warmer coastal. Uh, you'll see them out on the sound and out on the ocean even. But year-round, you can find loons, um, yeah, like you said, on the lakes, on big lakes. During breeding season, they tend to pair off and stay a little more solitary. During non-breeding season, you'll see larger groups of them. And for those who haven't seen a loon before, it's worth noting how gorgeous these birds are. If you look up a picture, it'll probably you'll probably recognize it, but they've been described as like a tuxedoed bird they've got the white underbelly with the black plumage with really cool vertical horizontal white striping down the sides and then they have the a really cool banded almost like a necklace that wraps around this black and white banded they've got bright red eyes those are their breeding season colors and then come the winter months when they're not in breeding season they actually molt and become a lot more drab colored they become like kind of almost like solid gray males and females there's there's no distinction between the two in terms of coloration they look exactly alike slight differences in size the males are a little bit bigger but it's hard to you wouldn't be able to just see that so it's really hard to identify whether or not these it's a male or a female you're looking at but they all look the same year round really colorful when they're breeding really drab when they're not so you might have come across a loon and not known what you were looking at and thought it was a penguin thought it was a penguin (laughs) yeah if uh if you just if you mistook a loon for a penguin then stay tuned please we've got a lot more education we gotta do a penguin episode now that gets me kind of excited for penguins but we were talking about a little bit earlier the whaling call is what i did earlier i don't know if we've talked about differences of calls in past episodes but like take me through the different calls of the loon that you were kind of discussing before we hit record so I like the cool. whaling call that Joey did for us is a call and it's almost like echolocation for loons. They'll use that call just kind of to alert other loons of where they are. They're just basically bouncing it off of each other. Mm-hmm. Um, they have other calls, one which will, that signifies do not come here. It's like a, a danger call. They have a breeding call that only males do. Um, and then they have, there's this kind of the signature whooping call and i forget what that is meant to to denote but yeah they have four distinctive calls that they make one of which is only made by males and the other three are which are used Mm -hmm. in times of distress or in times of bounty or whatever the case may be they can communicate to each other in different ways and i'm sure 
people who have who are in the land of loons, the land, um, of loons. the land of loons, are familiar with this call because I looked it up and it is very creepy. So I'm sure people are familiar with this creepy sound. If you're not, go to YouTube again right after you watch the video of them walking, listen to their call, and uh, you'll get spooked. It's a it's pretty creepy. Yeah, would you loon- agree? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like if, haunting is the word. Like yeah. uh, loons are. Loons are a well-known bird, you know, in this part of the country, maybe not as well. From what I understand, though, in the northern parts, and especially in Canada, loons are like a national treasure, almost. Uh, they're they're not listed under any federal legislation. They're not a, a protected species, but certain states do have regulations that protect them, uh, Michigan being one of those where loons have protected status. And actually, this is a fun note, in Canadian currency, the dollar coin they refer to those as loonies because they loonies. feature a picture of a loon. Is this a Looney Tunes? It's a uh, two-sided coin that has a picture of a loon. Is this where we got Looney Tunes from? Is that a loon animal? You know, I've always, or something? I, I didn't come across, I've always wondered, like, yeah, because, you know, we call people loony or loons. Yeah, lunatic. I don't know if that, I don't know where that comes from. I loons seem yeah. like pretty sane, reasonable creatures. Not things we, you know, and but a loon yeah. implies otherwise. So I don't know where exactly that comes from. Maybe we'll because they're so digging. unique. Yeah, they are. They are a super unique bird. They're very like they don't have any really close relatives. Like I said, their closest thing would be like an albatross, and you would never mistake the two. Uh, so they they don't have close relatives. So maybe that's just a a nod to their uniqueness. You're a loon. You're a. It's a good theory. You're a crazy. I could get on that train. Individual. Yeah. There was once a bald eagle found in a lake, uh, I think this was in Michigan as well, that was found next to a dead loon chick. And an autopsy revealed that the bald eagle was killed by a beak to the heart Ooh. from a loon. Dang. So these things Aggressive. are divers. They, they, they can dive for up to like five minutes underwater, and that's where they fish. So unlike, again, mo- there are species of ducks that do that in waterfowl. Cormorants are another species that come to mind. So like cormorants, loons, when they're on the water, actually swim or float with their bellies submerged, whereas ducks f- float on top of the water. Mm-hmm. This is mainly due, like I said, they're, they're a, a bigger bird. They have more mass, and their bones are almost entire. Their bones are more dense. Most birds, almost all birds, have hollow bones, which makes sense because they need to fly. Mm-hmm. And loons do not. And the reason they have more dense bones is because they, it's for better for diving. And that's why so they makes need them that heavier. runway on water. Right. That's yeah. also be, And also they have relatively small wings to their body size, which most birds don't have that issue. Loons, due to their heft, theoretically would need bigger wings to fly. They don't have those, so therefore they need that runway in order to get enough momentum to get their big butts off the water. Loony bird. <laughs> crazy and, and it, there is i will say so one of the species the red uh the red-throated loon can in fact take off from land and doesn't need that same kind of runway so it's, it's, the, it's West the smallest it's the smallest subs- yeah. uh smallest species not a subspecies i would have to assume that because of their size is the reason they're able to do that and that's again that's the west coast loon so yeah. anybody in oregon or washington that is familiar with loons is probably most familiar with the red-throated yeah so it's uh, I found that funny though that they are found on the currency of uh, the Canadian currency and they're, those those coins are considered like good luck, especially among hockey players. Apparently, again, I, I read that today <laughs> about them being good luck, and it said particularly huh. amongst Canadian hockey players, loonies are considered good luck coins. Interesting. So if you have any loonies in pocket, you know, make sure to keep Guess hold of that good thing. Luck. Good deal. 
Yeah, we're in the midst of the hockey playoffs, so. Did you have anything else about the loon? Yeah, so there's one thing that I think I wanted to highlight for uh, for all of our listeners at home. We always, the point of this podcast is impart education for fun and also to kind of point you all towards resources that you can use, utilize, or know so that you can help in the conservation of, uh, of all of North America's birds, but in particular these that we highlight each week. A study from the Canadian Wildlife Society which was brought about because people were concerned about finding dead loons, found that the number one killer of the number one human caused killer of loons are lead fishing weights. Now, the effects of lead on water, whether it be from ammo, you know, there's regulations now on using lead bullets if you're hunting because you don't want the lead, like lead shotgun pellets spraying into the water and then Mm -hmm. you're polluting the water and lead tends to stay in food systems in that way. But actually, so loons consume rocks and small things that help with digestion because they, they swallow food whole, you know, like most things with no teeth. So they, they'll ingest small pebbles and rocks in order to help with their digestion. And we've, they found that loons are really drawn to shiny objects and these shiny fishing weights, basically the weights you put on the end of the line to like sinkers. Those lead weights are found pretty often in the stomachs of dead loons. Hmm. And so this study found that this was probably the number one killer, human-caused killer of loons. And so uh, there, there are different places around the northern part of the country where certain lakes have banned the use of these lead weights. Certain lakes have even gone as far as to make their lake fly fishing only. And that was done in the name of protecting the local loons. So for those at home, if you live in a place where loons are popular, if you live in a place where any kind of uh, fish eating or diving waterfowl or loon or grebe or these types of animals exist and you know this it's probably a good idea to not use these lead weights and instead look for alternatives i don't fish that much myself so i'm not sure what types of alternatives exist to these sinkers but this is something definitely you should be looking out for and maybe advocate for in your area uh if you value your loon population which most of us do then we got to look out for those bird homies i'm loony for loons so you heard the man find alternatives to lead weights but I think that about does it for us today. I think that's all on the loon. I think that covers our bases. Uh, so for those listening out, send us in your calls. We, uh, Joey covered the, the whaling call for us, so maybe we could come up with a little compilation of, of people submitting all the other different calls of the loon. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, if you'd like to, if there's any particular bird you'd like for us to spotlight, reach out to us on Instagram or via email. You can email me at jeb, J-E-B, at lionloft.com or on our Instagram, lionloft.com. Make sure you subscribe for the Up and Down newsletter. You can find that at the bottom of our website. That's lionloft.com. Scroll to the bottom. There's a nice little link there. Makes it super easy uh, where you can catch uh, all of the news coming out of Lionloft and for uh, the accompanying Bird Watchers segment in which you can find out more information on the loon and all of our Birds of the Week. Which I should mention as well, we have now just gone to one podcast, which is called Lionloft, and we will have all of our podcasts under this umbrella. So Bird Watchers is no longer a separate podcast just for anyone out there. It'll all be under the same umbrella, so it'll be in one spot for everyone to see. We actually just released a new edition of the podcast family, The Loop. So check out that. Me and Matt talked about his experience at the Wyndham, the fanless Wyndham that he got to go to. So check that out. And then we got a new segment coming as well that I won't announce, but stay tuned. Do all the things that Jeb said because he covered it all. Rewind if you didn't catch it. And until next time. Thank <laughs> you.